how's everybody doing this morning? I hope you are enjoying the Christmas season. I am Mary Terrell Danik, in case I haven't met you. And my husband, Lance, and I are pastors of Hope Church. It's the greatest honor and joy of our lives. And today, I get the honor and privilege of speaking with you. Pastor Lance, as you know, had a bicep tendon surgery, and that was like seven weeks ago. And man, he is a trooper. I don't know that I would be blessed with as much patience um, in the process, because it's been hard. I've got too much to do to be uh, bound like that. I shouldn't maybe say that, because I, uh, yeah, sometimes when you say, God, don't do this, something's come to produce patience in you, but um, I've got patience. I've got five kids, but anyway, um, he had another surgery this past week. He has had a deviated septum. He broke his nose twice in football way a long time ago and has never had the surgery. And, you know, once you pay for one surgery, you might as well do the other one. So, you know, because you don't have to pay as much because of insurance purposes. So <laughs> he is a trooper. He's not feeling so great, but he is here today. And um, I'm excited to speak to you. He has asked me many times over the last couple years to speak, and my answer has been no repeatedly, but this time I just felt the urging of the Holy Spirit, so I am excited to be able to speak to you today. Thank you. I hope you all enjoyed the children up here. I don't think there is anything more beautiful or more pure than watching children sing, I mean, especially about Jesus. You know, the words that they're speaking, I'm like, oh God, get, get that deep in with their hearts. But the joy of Christmas through a child's eyes is so incredibly beautiful. Now, my kids are now 15 to 22, so they're older, so the joys of Christmas are a little bit different, but we have always had this tradition in our home where when the kids wake up, they have to go to our daughter's room, so all the boys, four boys going to our daughter's room. There would be screaming and laughing and giggling and, are you ready yet? Because they couldn't wait to come out because we'd make sure that we had breakfast ready and the stockings were just so and all the things, and so we would open the door, line them up. Up and we would be like, are you ready? Set. Go! And they would run out and they would see their stockings and things would be ripped and papers everywhere and it's a little bit different now. Two years ago, my oldest son said, Mom, I am now 20 years old. I am not going to my, my sister's room and I'm not going to run out to my stocking anymore. So things change, but there still is such a wonder and delight in Christmas. My best friend, every year at our candlelight service, she posts pictures of her children and it's the most beautiful thing to see a candle in their hand and their eyes on it and their faces all aglow. I have been on the stage for most of, I don't know, the last 10 years, so I haven't gotten those pictures of my kids, but I did get one of my older kids last year, and I just loved it. So Christmas through the eyes of a child is so beautiful, and it's not just the gifts and the lights and the cookie de decorating, but when you tell a child about the story of Jesus and their hearts are just opened up and they just come alive, it is a precious, precious thing. In this holiday season, um, just like right after Thanksgiving, I, I was before the Lord and I was like, God, I, I don't want this season to pass me by without really encountering you. 
I totally believe that we have moments in time, actually all the time. I think one day when we get to heaven, we're actually going to see these amazing moments that God gave us, that we have the opportunity to lean into it and it transform our lives or not. And I totally believe too that we have angels that surround us and we're going to, our eyes are going to be open one day to, wow, God, you saved me from that. Or wow, God, look at your hand of protection. It's, it's a beautiful, beautiful thought. But as I have been reflecting upon the season, I've just, I've wanted it to be different. We have so many things going on. It's so much fun. But as I would get up in the morning, every morning, um, I love my time with Jesus in the morning. I love the solitude and the quietness of a house, especially when my kids were little. But I have found myself um, coming into our living room, and last week you heard, and maybe you know me, and you know how much I like lights. I like lights like a lot, like Christmas lights a lot. Through the years, we have we were in our home for 16 years that we sold a little over a year ago. And every year we would add more lights to our house and more lights to our house until like my daughter caught the bug and we had like arches over our driveway and we had humongous joy to the world sign on the front. And I just, I love lights and I'm drawn to lights. So in this house that we have now, we don't have quite as much. And I'm looking like, what can I add? What can I add? And Lance is like, babe, it's, it's good. Like, like, like we're good. <laughs> So I do have these garlands, and it's awesome this year because I have uh, fairy lights on them, but I have a remote control of eight of them. Anybody else have those? It's my first experience. If you haven't experienced it, it's awesome. No unplugging, anything. I'm just like boom, 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 and they all come on, and it's beautiful. So in the morning, I first go out. Well, I first make my coffee because I love coffee, and turn on my lights, and I have just been drawn to our back window um, that goes out over the porch. There's a few houses that have lights on them, and I've just been drawn into that and just asking God, would you do something in my heart this Christmas season? I want to encounter you. I want to be like a child before her king, saying, would you, would you show me once again? Would you make the miracle of what you did alive? We move through life fast. So I want us today to just take another moment and pause and really see and hear and feel the presence of God in the moment and the miracle like a child of Christmas. So our message series is The Weary World Rejoices. That's the title of it. And I can't think of something more fitting. When you look at our world today, it's astonishing to me. I've told my husband many times, like, I feel like COVID like, just opened Pandora's box. And the evil that was there has come to the surface. And people are weary. People are tired. People are confused. People are lacking hope, wondering what is this world going to be like? I mean, how many parents out there are like, what is this world going to be like when my kids are grown? It's crazy. And Christmas brings out emotions, I think. Some things that are hidden inside, um, you know, different relationships with family. Christmas can be a, an amazing, joyous time. But for some, it's a time full of despair, feelings of loss, feelings of hurt, loved ones that are no longer here, family dynamics. All kinds of emotions are brought out at this Christmas season. And maybe you today are kind of in that place where you're weary. I want to ask you, what's going on in your soul today? Jesus came as the light of the world, and he comes to expose our hearts 
because he loves us so much that he's never willing to let you stay in a place that's not good. He wants to bring his light, which is truth and hope and joy, to permeate our hearts, to have his way in our hearts, to bring us life and freedom. So Pastor Lance has described the, the setting for us for a couple weeks of what the world looked like when Jesus came. And the prophet Isaiah described it as being full of despair and darkness and gloom. It, I almost see it as like a, a foreboding like darkness. You know how the valley gets covered in the wintertime and you're like, I think there's light up there, but it's been so dark for so long. Is the light ever going to come? That's how the people were in that day. There was social division. There was economic struggle. The Romans and the Jews were not on the same page. And the Jews had not heard a word from their God in many, many years. It had been hundreds of years. A prophet in the Bible is somebody who hears from God and would speak a word to the people. And it had been hundreds of years. I do think... Um, how great it is, though, that they knew the scripture and they recited the scripture because even generations later, they were still longing for the Savior. They were longing for the Messiah. So we're going to look at a scripture about the arrival of Jesus, and we're going to look at um, John. And as I was looking at the scripture, I, was, I thought it was so interesting how in the very beginning of the Bible, the New Testament, the New Testament is everything before Jesus' birth— I mean, the Old Testament is. And in the Old Testament, God begins Genesis with, in the beginning, God created. And what did God first create? Light. The first thing that God created was light. Now, if you go to the New Testament, which is Jesus' birth and on, there are four Gospels. And one of the Gospels, the Gospels tell all about Jesus' life. And one of them is John. And in the beginning of the book of John, he talks about the Word, and the word is a representation of Jesus. Now, back in the beginning of time at creation, the word was spoken out of God's mouth and creation happened. And then we fast forward to John, and in the beginning, he says, was the word, and the word was God. And he says, he brought light. So we're going to read that together. John 1, 1 through 5, if you are following along in your Bible. In the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that had been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So the Word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. The title of my message today is Light in the Darkness. Now, Jesus was God's response to a broken world. How incredible it is to think about a God who created all that is do you ever stop and ponder that? I mean, when you think about anatomy and biology and cells and just all of creation and all of the, the animals after their own kind, it just, it blows my mind and I get really excited about it. 
I even just lost my place for a second because I got really excited about it. <laughs> Let's see, where was I? So Jesus is God's response to all creation. And God so loved you that he could not bear to be without you. That is an incredible thought. That God our Father longed to be with his creation once again. He longed to have restored relationship. And that's where Jesus came in. Jesus came in as the light of the world. Light has come. So in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Now the definition of light is so interesting to me. It is the absence of darkness. So when you think of God as light, there is no darkness whatsoever in him. Now, as I said before, I've always been uh, fascinated with light at Christmas time. My dad put tons of lights up, and I caught the bug there. But I just, oh, I just am drawn to light. Maybe part of it's because I grew up in Florida, and I love the sun. Now, I followed Jesus out to Montana, and I love it now, but it took me quite a while because I missed the sun. But I love light. Have you ever been on an airplane at nighttime coming down into a city? It is so gorgeous, and it just makes my heart come alive where you can see all the lights out before you, the big city. Talking about big cities, when I was a kid, my dad was born in the Bronx, and he used to take us to New York City, and I loved the lights. How many of you have been to New York City? especially in Christmas time, if you can ever go, it's magnificent. But I, I was just always amazed. I remember a look on my father's face once when I was a child, just like me being in awe of all the lights, the flashing lights. You know, it's pretty flashy in New York City. But also our house that I was talking about, which I loved dearly, um, it was so beautiful. I could go on my deck, and we had a span of the mountains, absolutely gorgeous. Could see the light coming up, the sunrise, and then the alpen glow when the sun would set. And then all, we had like a 360 view of just light at, at night. And I've always been so drawn to light. And as I was thinking about the light, I was thinking, how much does our, our Father want us to be drawn to the light? We're drawn to darkness sometimes because of our human nature. But I believe that God wants us to crave the light because in the light is truth, in the light is freedom, and in the light is a fulfillment of our life that we could never experience outside of Jesus. I want to look back at a prophecy of Isaiah. He was a prophet um, in the Bible, and I, I love how he talks about the coming of Jesus. Now, remember, this was in a really dark time, um, but he, in his words, has such great hope of what is to come. So we're going to read that together. Nevertheless, there will, no, there will be no more gloom for those who were in darkness and distress. And that's a word for somebody today. God's going to break something in your heart, break something in your life, where there is no more darkness. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people who rejoice at the harvest at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing plunder. 
For the day of the Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. So I wonder today if you, if you can relate to that at all. Are there burdens that have captured your heart that are heavy on your heart? Is there a rod that you're carrying on your back? Is there an oppressor, whether it be yourself through lies that you believed or people that are in your life? God is bringing freedom and light today. I love this, how it says in the day of Midian's defeat. He's talking there about the story of Gideon. And Gideon was a servant of God who was called to go to war against the Midianites. And he had a large army. God dwindled it down to a few. But God said, I want you to listen to my voice, and this is what I want you to do. I want you to take your army of 300 men, which was very small. They were way outnumbered by the Midian army. And I want you to take clay pots in one hand. I want you to put a torch inside the clay pot. And I also want you to take a trumpet. And I want you to encamp around this army. And what you're going to do is you're going to blow the trumpets to get their attention. And then you're going to take those clay pots and you're going to break them and the light is going to come forth. And it was quite a sight, I'm sure, as they blew the trumpets Everyone woke up because it was in the middle of the night. And as they saw those broken jars come forth with light, the enemy was terrified and they started turning on each other. Now, what a beautiful picture this can be of us because the Bible describes us in our lives as clay jars. When we take those clay jars that we try to fix so pretty that kind of come, become cracked sometimes and we try to fill in the cracks. But how beautiful if we are willing to take our clay jars that is a representation of our life, break them on the ground, be broken before Jesus and let his light come. Yes. Jesus comes with light to illuminate the dark places. I'm going to read off some attributes of light that I found interesting. Light brings illumination, enabling us to find our way. There's a scripture in Psalms that says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Light is essential for growing and healing. How true is that of our lives when we let light in for us to grow, even though it's painful sometimes. Light reveals everything in its presence. And this next one, it fills all space available to it, but will not invade what is closed to it. How many times do we close areas off in our heart that aren't pretty? We might think we can hide from God, but really, nothing is hidden from Him. We like to look great on the outside, but really... There are dark places in our hearts, in our lives, that God wants to bring light to. So my second point is darkness is exposed and defeated with Jesus coming to the earth. He brought light and he brought truth to expose darkness. And darkness is everything that separates us from God. Darkness is the opposite of light. Darkness is the absence of light. 
Now, in our lives, when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, and as you're listening, if you have not met him, I can't wait for you to meet him today because it's the best decision that you would ever make to give your life to him. But when he comes into our life, he brings light and he brings truth. And it'd be so great if that was it and we lived a victorious life and we were just happy-go-lucky for the rest of our days on earth. But that's not reality because we live in a broken world. And we have things that come at us. Darkness can enter in many different ways. You can open yourself up to things. You can open yourself up to something that somebody says about you. Being defined by somebody. Lies that you believe about yourself. It could be a relationship that is broken. That you've allowed a little seed of bitterness or a little seed of unforgiveness into your heart. And these lies and these things that are not true can cloud our vision to where we cannot see clearly the truth of God. I've had several times in my life that I have, um, I would say, been in darkness. There was one time not too long ago within the last couple years that I was tired. I had some people hurt me pretty bad. And I was at a place where I was just like, I looked at God, I'm like, I'm done fighting. Like, I'm tired. I'm really tired. So the enemy knew, you know, it, the Bible says that he roars around like, he goes around like a roaring lion. He wants us to think he's all that. But in reality, our God is all that. But I had let some things start to enter my heart because I just was so broken and so tired. And I knew, I know, I've walked with Jesus a really long time, and I knew what to do with lies. I knew not to take them as my own, but because my heart was so broken and so hurt, and I was just like, I am done fighting, God. Like, I have followed you. I've obeyed what you've had before me, and this road is hard, and I'm out. So things would, times would go by. I started feeling like a failure in my role here at church. I felt like a failure at home as a wife and mother of my kids. I felt like I was just like not meeting the mark. And if you know me, my standards are pretty high for myself, which God has definitely worked on in my life. But I let these things come in and, and they, were, they were getting ugly. And so ugly that I... I started speaking. Not only did I listen to the lie, but I started speaking the lies over myself, like I'm worthless. I have no business being in ministry. I am not a good mom. I'm failing. Every time I lead worship, it's horrible. Just was believing lie after lie. And then I started speaking them over myself. And then I got to the point where I'm like, I don't, I don't want to live anymore. I just, I'm done. I'm just, I'm checking out. Checking out, God. And then suicidal thoughts came. And it was like one, okay? It didn't take them as my own. I knew better than that. That's one guard that I put up, thank God. But they just started to flood over me and flood over me and flood over me because I let darkness in and I let it reside inside. You know, the devil, what he wants to do is he wants to get a foothold in your life. And what he does when he gets a foothold, I remember when I was uh, young and sometimes I would pick on my brothers. My parents are sitting in the audience. And 
I would always, you know, be the good little girl, but I would pick on my brother sometimes and, you know, smack him or throw something at him. And then I would be tearing through the house, running through the house and go to my room because that was my safety zone. I could lock the door. Well, my brother John was quicker than me. And a lot of times he would catch up to me before I could shut the door. So if I got into the door and could shut the door and lock it, I was good. But if he got his foot in there, I wasn't good because with his might, he, even though I was against the door, he was three years older and he was a lot bigger than me, he would push against the door and he would come in. And that's what happens when we give the devil a foothold in our life. When we allow thoughts to come in, we allow ourselves to be in a place that's not healthy and we don't allow the light of God to come in and rescue us. So we don't want to give a foothold to the enemy because then he has access to our hearts. But the good news is, is that when we bring ourselves to Jesus, which is not always easy, when we come to him broken, a mess, he's always there. Always, always, always there with loving arms to pick you up and to restore you. So this season that was really dark in my life, I needed to leave the valley, go spend some time with some people that spend time with pastors. And as I let my guard down, and as I was a broken vessel before Jesus, and as I allowed his love and his light to penetrate my heart, he drastically changed me. And I didn't have a suicidal thought after that. So there is hope. Yeah. And he's so good and he's so kind that he will chase after you and he will never stop pursuing you because of his goodness and because of his faithfulness. I had, many, um, I had many pictures and visions in my mind as I was going through this process with the counselor and just talking through things and time after time after time, God reminded me, showed me pictures of Jesus being there with me all along the way. Somebody needs to know that today that Jesus is there with you. He's never left you. He's never forsaken you. The world is broken, and he doesn't like you going through hard things, but he is always there by your side. We're going to watch a clip, as we have watched um, the last few weeks, a clip from The Chosen, and this is a, a, a clip that just gets my heart every time, how Jesus rushes in and frees a lady. I can do to help you. Give me that. Lots of it. That's not going to solve your problems. It's meant to distract from No them. more preaching. Just give it to me. Lilith, please listen to what I'm
father's words over us today Mary had seven demons had lived in torment and in a moment Jesus freed her as the light came in and the darkness was dispelled that's beautiful Jesus comes in and brings light and salvation so how do we live in the light how do we stay constant in the light? How do we not let the darkness of the world, things of this world, situations that happen to us permeate our hearts? 1 John 1, 5 through 7 says, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light in him. There is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light and have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So it's a choice, really. We have this free and beautiful gift of salvation. And Jesus comes rushing in with his life and his presence. But we have daily choices, right? We have daily choices how we're going to let things affect us. We have daily choices when the Holy Spirit and his kindness and goodness whispers something into our ear. Don't let that offend you. Give that to me. Bring that to my feet. We have to choose daily. There is a man, his name is Jerry Sitzer, and he wrote a book called Grace Disguised. And he recounts this story, this experience that he had, where he saw the grace of God rush into his life. But it was one of great, great tragedy and loss. He was blessed to have a wife and four children and another one on the way. And they had gone um, on a family outing for homeschool. And they were on their way back. It was a, a road out kind of in the middle of nowhere, kind of like roads in Montana. And he saw up ahead a car that was swerving and then looked like it was deadlocked on them. So he pulled off the road around the corner and 
to get out of the way, but the car was like deadlocked on their car, and at 85 miles an hour, it crashed head on into their vehicle. And in the hour that came to pass, the next hour, he lost his mother, his pregnant wife, and his four-year-old daughter. And he, and he describes in the book how waves of despair and waves of darkness, like it was taking his heart and his soul to a very deep place very, very fast. I can't imagine. I've experienced loss in my life, but nothing like that. I want to share a quote with you because he found his way. He found his way through that tragedy, but he had a choice how he was going to handle it. We all have a choice with circumstances in our life. How are we going to handle it? And this is what he said. The quickest way for anyone to reach the sun and the light of day is not to run to the west chasing after the setting sun, but to head east plunging into the darkness until one comes to the sunrise. How much of life do we want to run when things get tough and hard? That's like not our American culture, right? We want things fast, when we want them easy, when we want to be comfortable. But through tragedy, God can miraculously bring his light and transform our lives. So he says, don't run to the east just trying to escape, but run to the west, run through the darkness and into the light. It's interesting to me that Christianity really starts with death. To get to life, we give our lives to Jesus and we are buried and risen back with him. So I want you to think just for a moment, what are the choices that you make? Do you duck your head and run? Do you try to escape? Or do you lean in through the darkness to your Savior who is waiting on the other side? And let me tell you, a few weeks ago, uh, Marty spoke, and she made a statement that I'll carry for the rest of my life, looking at situations differently. She said, everything that you go through is an opportunity for you to put more tools on your tool belt, because your life isn't your own. When you give your life to Jesus, your life is meant to spend it on him and to spend it on others. But how beautiful. It's like you get this one opportunity when you go through tragedy. What are you going to do with it? One day we're going to be in heaven and we're going to get to praise God day after day after day after day. But here on earth, we get to make the choice. And how beautiful is that? That in your despair and in your darkness and when things are hard, that you have a choice to yet praise God and to lean into him for your victory. So practically speaking, how do we live this life out? I don't know how people do this life without Jesus. I really don't. People need Jesus. Practically, are you spending time in the light every day? Are you letting Jesus wash over you? Are you letting him speak to you through his word, his word, the Bible? Get the dust off of it and get it out. It is alive, full of life and truth and hope. Are you spending time on your knees praying? Prayer is a two-sided thing. It's not just to tell God all the things that you want and that you need. But if you're not spending time with God on your knees and just in his presence, man, you're missing out. Oh, how he desires for us to be people that want to be with him. He so loved us that he gave his son so that we could have a relationship with him. How do you stay out of the darkness? You stay in his presence. 
And the third part of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, he's my best friend. I am so thankful for the Holy Spirit. Ask him to fill you daily. Ask him to fill you up. He's the power that we have to live this life. God gives opportunities. We're a firm believer that God gives opportunities. Before Pastor Lance and I were pastors, we never missed a Sunday. I mean, it was so, so rare because we always were like, we don't want to miss God. What does God have for me today? How does he want to transform my life? What kind of word does he have for me to give to somebody else? God gives you opportunities. And even today you're sitting in this congregation or you're watching online and God has given you this opportunity to look within. Don't miss it. And lastly, God gives us community. The devil loves to keep things in darkness. He never wants you to tell anything that you're going through. He never wants you to tell those dirty little secrets that you have. Guess what? We all have them. None of us are perfect. I've had people come to me and want to confide in me but feel so guilty. I'm like, wow, who am I to judge you? I've got my stuff. You've got your stuff. None of us are perfect, but when you take that step of faith, which is hard to do, to go up to your brother or sister who you can trust, not be wise with who you confide in, but when you take that step of faith, it is God's way of letting that be illuminated and exposed so he can deal with it. Remember, light cannot be, it can't expose anything that is blocked off to it. So when you expose things, when we walk in community, man, I need you guys. I need you to walk, walk with me and speak into my life. God made us the body of Christ for a reason. We need each other. Ephesians 5, 8 through 9 says, for, one, for you were once darkness, but now you are light. That's talking about you. You are light. So live as children of light. For the fruit of light consists of goodness, righteousness, and truth. That's what I want to live my life like, of God's goodness, righteousness, and truth. So I have a story that I want to tell you as we close. It's not really a story. It happened um, in the Bible. And this is the account of Elijah, the prophet. And he was in a really bad place. He served the Lord. He followed God's commands. And he had gone up against the prophets of Baal, the prophets of the devil, and he had killed him. He had slaughtered him. And Jezebel, who was controlled by the devil, she was angry and she had a vendetta and she was out to get him and she was going to get him. So he decided he was going to run because he was tired. Kind of like the story I told you earlier. I was tired. It happens. So he went out to the desert. He found a tree and he went to sleep underneath it. But God was with him. He was depressed. He was anxious. He was fearful. He tried to run, but God was with him. So he fell asleep, and he felt somebody wake him up. And an angel of God woke him up and said, you need to wake up, and you need to eat. So there was uh, coals with bread on it and um, a jar of water, and he drank, and he ate, and he fell asleep again. Then the angel woke him up a second time, and he said, you need to eat and drink because the journey is long. So he ate and he drank and he went on a journey. And that journey was for 40 days and 40 nights. And I could just see him just getting deeper and deeper. It getting darker and darker. Thoughts of fear and anxiety and all the things that he was struggling with, swirling in his head. So he comes to a cave and he goes into that cave. 
And what is a cave representative of? A place where you're alone, a place where you can hide, a place that's dark. Did you know that a lot of scholars actually believe that Jesus was born in a cave? Into a very dark place. So God followed him, God was with him. So he goes in this cave and, and he hears a voice of God. And he says, Elijah, what are you doing here? Like, what's going on? Why are you in this place? And God tells him to go outside. He hears this mighty rushing wind, but God wasn't in the wind. He hears this crazy earthquake that happens, rocks falling everywhere, but God wasn't in the earthquake. And then a fire comes by and God wasn't in the fire. It reminds me of the things that we go through in life. All these things come at us all the time. But God said again to him, where are you? What are you doing? Why are you there? God wants to say to you today, why are you there? I've provided light for you. Knock it off. Come out of the darkness. Let me restore you. Let me restore your heart. Let me restore your relationships. Let me break that fear off of you. Let me break that anxiety off of you. Stop listening to the devil. Why are you hiding there? Why are you hiding? This is an opportunity for us this morning. Just check our hearts. Check our heartbeat. We all have stuff, but oh, how God desires for us to live life and live it to the full. And we can't do it if we're not living in the light. Oh, weary world, rejoice! God says to you, weary one, rejoice. Come back to joy. Come back to life. Come back to light. God's with you always in the cave, in the fire, in the wind, in the earthquakes that shake our soul. So as we close, I know that I know that I know that God has things for us today. If you'd open up your heart, if you take that jar of clay and drop it on the ground and let God's light come in. If you're here today and you don't know this Jesus that I'm talking about, you're missing out and today is your day. Today is the day that he's calling you to himself because he loves you and he wants to take you out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. So as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, if you want to know this Jesus that I'm talking about, it's your invitation today. All you got to do is ask God to forgive you, repent of your sin and the darkness you've lived in and ask him to come in and be your light. If you're here today and you want to make a decision for Jesus, would you boldly, with courage, raise your hand? This is your moment. God bless you. This is your moment. Don't let it pass you by. God is drawing your heart to him. 
So would you all pray with me this prayer? Jesus, I acknowledge you as my Savior. God, I ask you to forgive me and wash me clean of my sin. Would you come in and make your home within my heart? I want to know you today. Thank you, Jesus. And for the rest of us who are here today, God extends you an opportunity as well to look in your heart where you've experienced disappointment. Some of you have hearts that have just been broken over the last couple years. I want you to sit for a moment as we close and ask him, Holy Spirit, would you enlighten my heart to something that I need to give to you so that I can be clean before you? Holy Spirit, I ask that you would move all over this place. God, I thank you that you don't leave us the same. God, I thank you for your transforming love, your transforming light. Thank you, God, that you pursue us. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come. Thank you, Jesus. There's nothing too big. There's no distance that's too far that can separate you from the love of God. Nothing that you've done, no sin that you've fallen into time and time again. His grace is extended continually for you.